Yeah, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am your host, Neil Rubenstein, and today I'll be sitting in traffic talking to Arthur Shepard of the band Primitive Weapons, formerly of Mind Over Matter, and co-owner of iconic metal venue St. Vitus. Who's this guy calling me from God City? <laughs> What's up, Arthur? How are you? I'm good, Neil. How are you? I'm uh, I'm good, man. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you wanted to do this. Yeah, no problem, dude. You know me. I like to talk about stuff and things. Stuff Catch and up things. with you. See see how you're doing. Where are you driving right now? I am uh, heading into Manhattan. I'm gonna Ooh. do a couple of open mics and then go see Jehu. Oh, look at you. You're going to get some work in and go yep. see Jehu. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work and play all at uh, all in one day. They're not they're not doing like a secret show at Vitus tonight afterward, are they? Uh, sick, dude. Awesome. You know, you know, the Pope did one when he was in town, so why not? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, if we're going to let's talk about that then. You've had ridiculous bands play your venue. Yeah, well, they, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of other options, honestly. You know, every place has been closing, so they got to come to us. They have no choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, when you started, when you opened this bar, did you have any idea it would uh, be the way it is? No, of course not. I mean, you kind of, we, we built the stage and the sound system and everything to be top-notch, but we originally didn't want it to be a music venue because music venues in New York are um, sort of an anomaly to last any more than six months because you, you're always bothering somebody, you know, and yeah. in order to soundproof properly where you're not bothering people is just a hundred thousand dollars worth of work, which we, at the point where we were open, we had run out of money. So we were, we were just like, Oh, it's because the door's open. Let's go. And then of course we, we had uh, our first show was, well, Primitive Weapons, my band, to test things out. And then we had Liturgy the next night, and the neighbors completely freaked out. So, you know, it was a, it was a good year of just being sort of a bar and doing normal bar stuff like karaoke and shit like that. But we'd have shows every once in a while because we thought, like, you know, if we did it every day, the neighbors would freak out. Then it sort of became a financial uh, necessity to get to start doing that because – to have shows because there was it's really difficult to get people to come down to this part of Greenpoint. Um, the neighborhood is either filled with homeless people or people with overpriced condos or a combination of the two. Um, right. ne- neither of which patronize our place. So <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, so yeah, that was kind of, it was, it was a bit of a financial decision. And also um, we, we really saw how good the room sounded and looked and we were like, why aren't we doing this more? And the real reason was because we had a couple of neighbors who were really not happy with us. So, um, so we soundproofed. We were broke. We soundproofed. Um, spent a lot of money. Wound up getting a TV show to shoot here the month that we soundproofed. And that basically paid for the entire thing. So we got real lucky. But we, we, we were real close to being done a few times. And then once, once, we, once we transitioned into a full-time venue... Um, 
the complaints kind of stopped and things kind of went forward very quickly. Uh, and, you know, uh, our booker, Dave, uh, was really given the opportunity to go crazy with who he could offer uh, shows to. And it, it just kind of went. And, the, you know, the, the, the secret show thing, I mean, that, that started a little bit with The Descendants. Um, but the, that wasn't even really a secret show. That was just something that happened because it got rained out. So, you know, once we pulled that Descendant show off, it was like, we could do anything. Sick. <laughs> Uh, hey, what uh, TV show? Uh, a Gifted Man. Oh, okay. Right, CBS. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you can charge. You can charge network big, big money. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the list of secret shows is ridiculous. I mean, Nirvana played Saint Vitus. Yeah, but I mean, there there are people who would argue that it's not really Nirvana because the internet exists and, you know, when yeah, you give okay. everybody, when you give everybody a chance to say what they want anonymously, they're going to say stupid shit. But, uh, yeah, the, um, it was, uh, definitely, uh, a crazy experience. Um, I, I mean, I can't, I've told the story numerous times. Uh, it's, it was, it was a ver a variety of, uh, things that led to it, uh, a lot of luck. And then, uh, uh, creating a lot of gray hair, keeping the secret for a week that it was happening. So, um, but everybody involved was great. I mean, just, just to have Jay Maskis on stage playing at Joan Jett and, you know, uh, and Kim Gordon, we've had Kim a couple of times. She's awesome. Jesus Christ. They're loading beer into the basement. It sounds like they're fucking throwing it. <laughs> I don't know if, if, that's, if the mic is picking this up. Um, no, no, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, maybe yeah. when I when I compress to to edit, maybe I'll, I'll pick it up a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll just sound like thunder in the background. Um, <laughs> we're not gonna be able to serve the beer for a week. It's gonna be all shooken up. Uh, anyway, yeah. So it was uh, it was an incredible experience, and and you know I was really we were really proud to have it. We we kind of knew that it was gonna blow up, uh, you know, on the internet, and that it would be a news thing, but we had no idea that like. Network News was going to call us asking for interviews and stuff, which we didn't do, any of them. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was crazy. But, in, you know, in, uh, Network News also called us for a comment on Eagles of Death Metal when the parachutings uh, happened because they happened to have played here a month before. So, yeah, it's, it's the news stations, they're desperate. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. You know, we were lucky that we, we – you know, to tell you the truth, there was maybe 150 people here when they went on. So it was, it, you, it wasn't that crowded. And we let in about 50 people who had found out that were hanging out outside. And we were just like, just chill, just hang out, just hang out. And then I let, we let them all in and we we're like, no pictures, you know, don't bother anybody. Just come to enjoy the show. Because it, it was technically, it was like a private party for, for Nirvana, for Dave Grohl. And, right. Right. You know, and it, so it was like, it was pretty crazy. It was a series of things that happened that day. It almost didn't happen because we couldn't get additional insurance on top of the insurance that us and Dave Grohl had. So William Morris was freaking out, like their agency and all this shit. It was ridiculous. Just like the stupidest shit ever. I was like, just fucking show up and play. Just show up and play. Don't worry about it. But the contract yeah. that we got is my favorite thing is the contract that we got. Where it was like, it's with Roswell Recordings, not Nirvana or Foo Fighters. And it's like, Compensation zero, rider <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing about your venue is like you have bands play there, 
that they do things the way you do things, but everywhere else they play, you have to do things the way they do. Right. That yeah. I mean, I mean, but that's that, like, what choice do you have with a with a space this size? You know what I mean? Like, there's not. Right, but, but that's the thing. It's like, but they still choose to do your space. Like you, you put, you put this place in position where bands actively seek it out at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, because it's the shows that we have here go beyond the four walls. Here, you know, it's like nearly every big show we have gets recorded in some sort of HD camera and goes up online. Is is oftentimes edited um, uh, properly. Looks good, sounds good. Like we have, we have guys who have audio setups on our soundboard who film here, and then you know you you wind you wind up with stuff like the carcass video that's on YouTube or Neurosis, which are like full HD multi-camera edits, and they look awesome. So the bands want that because that's that's a great that's incredible content. So you know it's it goes beyond, and people tend to I don't know. Like every, everybody thinks that every show that happens in New York is going to be a secret show here afterwards. So that's kind of cool. I like that. But I, I mean, you know, I, I got to tell the truth. Like, like uh, you say, like, well, the bands do it this way; they do it that way. To tell you the truth, ninety-nine point nine percent of the bands are super cool and don't give a fuck. They they just want to get on stage and play. And it's the crew and the management and all these people that work for them who tiptoe around everything and make all these weird demands, which I then have to be like, we don't do that. You know, I don't, I don't supply hummus or underwear <laughs> or, you know what I mean? It's just like, like, that's just not this place. Like we have some drinks, you know, like you get to walk through the crowd, which for some of the bigger bands that have played here, that's super cool for the people who come to see it, you know, even that, yeah. or they'll, or they'll like, they won't want to be downstairs. So they come up and they hang out at the bar and they're just like hanging out with their fans and taking pictures and chilling. You know, it's a very, it's very much like the hardcore scene that I grew up in where there's no separation of band member, superstar, and fan. Everybody's the same. Everybody's cool. It's, it's New York, man. New York is like that. We just, you know, you don't get treated like, like a shitty celebrity. You get treated like a person. So, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, that's, I feel those values that were instilled in me from the hardcore scene really helped me get along in life. Like, Everyone's the same. Everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't. We don't. We don't suck up to celebrity. We just say, yeah, yeah. "Oh no, that's cool. You're in a band. That's a sick band." Okay, next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's like I, I mean, unless unless we're talking like Jimmy Page walks in the door, you know, it, it takes a lot. You know, we had we had Phil yeah. Ensemble here. Phil Ensemble and I sat here for two hours talking about Witchfinder General, and. Him, he was telling me he was going to send me all these demos, and like, I mean, it was awesome because he's a music fan. I mean, I know he's had some issues lately, but you know, yeah. uh, he's he's a real music fan, and that's you know, you you have to remember that that essentially that's why all these guys are playing music anyway because they're music fans. So you're basically amongst other crazy music fans, and you're all the same at the end of the day once you get talking, as long as nobody gets weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's your, uh, favorite show that you've had there? Oh man, I get asked this all the time and I, it's really hard for me to answer. Uh, the Swayze never played there, right? No, no, unfortunately. Um, uh, I've tried. I know. <laughs> if I, if I could get Swayde or Merciful Fate or, uh, um, <laughs> or yes, you know, 
people with too much production value. Um, you know, I, I would say probably neurosis. Um, it was, that was pretty, that was a coup making that happen. Uh, it was a lot of production work on everybody's end and uh, it looked and sounded awesome. And they're just, you know, they're just such a legendary band yeah. Yeah, that have done so much. I mean, the last time I had seen them was at ABC No Rio. So it was like, you know, many, many, many years ago. And there, you, you were know, at, do you want to have the PWAC show that was after that? No, I didn't go to that show. No. And there was a CBS. I think they did CBS after that also. Yeah, I believe they did. I didn't go to that either. I, I had seen them in the early nineties. That was the last time. So, um, yeah, I, would, I had moved from Long Island, I think, by the time that PUX show happened. So huh. it, was, it was, uh, wasn't so easy for me to get out to, to Lindenhurst. Oh, yeah, I guess you would have been, uh, you were playing in uh, World's Fastest Car, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I was in World's Fastest Car at that point, I think. So I was, I was carless and living in Douglaston, Queens. You were one of the first people, because we were all, like, hardcore kids, and there was, like, a certain mentality... Um, as far as like what was cool and what wasn't cool, and you were one of the first kids, you and uh, Brad Farrell actually were the first people that were like open about listening to other stuff that wasn't necessarily cool in the hardcore scene. Yeah, and it right. like I. I it sounds weird to say, like, as an adult with a varied, eclectic <laughs> taste in music, but it was, like, it was weird for a minute. Like, when I first got into hardcore, I wasn't sure that I could say I listened to other stuff. And then seeing you and Brad Farrell being open about, like, Brad was open about Elvis Costello, and, and you were open about Swain and Ride and whoever else, like... Uh, all these like brick pop stuff and I was like oh you can listen like it's okay it's cool here like everyone's cool here and it yeah I, yeah I mean it, it will I grew up I grew up listening to to progress to prog rock and classic rock and, and then a lot of classic metal um, uh, my hardcore years were very short I actually probably listened to hardcore for about six months out of my life like I, 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 it was, it was like a thing, but I was so ingrained in the scene and playing. You could tell that, that I was, and Brad too, you could tell that we were listening to different stuff from the songs that we were writing. In yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And I felt, I always felt like my thing with hardcore is that it was like real hardcore is really generic. So you take the mad balls of the world and, you know, and, uh, and, and stuff like that. Like Madball to me, if you don't like Madball, you don't like hardcore. That's hardcore, right? right? Yep, yep, and it'll yep. never progress. It'll never change. It is what it is. And that's great. And that's what it wants to be. That doesn't mean I have to like it because I'm a human being with, you know, a taste and a different taste than other people. If people just want to listen to hardcore, cool. You're missing out. But, you know, I, I just I feel like I feel like it's definitely an age thing. As you were saying, I was a little bit older than everybody. As I think Brad and I are the same age. That um, you know, I was even the two years older that I was than most of the guys around me. That two years makes a huge difference, and you know, especially when you're a teenager, it makes a huge difference. And yeah, I mean, you know, we, we had Tommy Cargan talking about you too. You know, <laughs> we, there, I think everybody was into stuff, and and you just had to embrace it. I, I just I found I, like the the scene that I was surrounded by, and the people that I was surrounded by, the people I was friends with tended to be solely into hardcore. But 
you know, I just, I wasn't that guy. Um, and I also am a bit of a contrarian. So whatever everybody else is into, everybody shaves their head. I grow my hair, but he stops drinking. I drink more, you know, like uh, it's just kind of my, my way of being, you know? So uh, it was, uh, you know, it's my version of punk rock because punk rock shouldn't have a definition. It should just be whatever, whatever the fuck you want it to be, you know? That's like that's a weird thing to come to to come to terms with, uh, like discovering that you are contrarian. Because I find myself. Oh yeah, you are big time. Oh yeah, yeah, huge. And just coming to terms with that over the course of years is like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't like that, and I just don't like that because everyone likes that. <laughs> right. Oh, dude. And like, yeah. And like try to be cool about it. You know what I mean? Like. No, no, you you do that. I'm not being condescending. Go ahead, do that. I just I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but you always come off as being condescending. The amount of yeah. time, I'm a, I have to have a I have to have a fucking uh, an on an on. A, a, I'm having a debate with the singer from Ringworm over Kiss and okay. how much how much I dislike Kiss. And like this is okay. one of those things where it's like I, I I was maybe I was being a bit of a contrarian back in the day when I just didn't like Kiss. But I'm I guess I'm supposed to like Kiss. But I just I don't like songs about partying. It doesn't do anything for me. You know, it's just like whatever. Like, cool, you want to rock and roll night and party every day, go for it. I don't really care. You know, and, and coming from people who don't drink and don't do drugs, you know, that was the other part for Kiss that really bothered me. But I have to have this fucking debate. And I, it's like I don't know what to fucking say. It's like it's like, uh, why don't you like Kiss? Because they suck. Why do they suck? Because I don't like them. Like you know what I mean? It's it's you can't you can't win an argument about what you like and what you don't like. It's just you know, you can win an argument about why Donald Trump is a douche, <laughs> but you can't, you, you know what I mean? Unless you're Artie Philly. Artie Philly could convince you that Hitler was right. So, you know, he, that guy. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's very Not that good he would, but contrarian. Yeah. No, he might. I think he has, actually. <laughs> he probably has. He probably has. He's the, yeah. he's the best at being a contrarian. He's, he's a number one. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's so, fu- like, he's so fucking whip smart that... He'll just he'll just fucking shut you down in a heartbeat. Like yeah. he's just so quick, man. You're, you're, you know, living with him for years, I was like, I can't keep up with this guy. And then half the fucking shit he would say would get later on would get attributed to me. And I'd be like, No, 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 <laughs> fuck, I didn't say that. Like, oh, the, it was Artie from Long Island. I'm like, There's two Arties from Long Island, okay? The amount of people who thought I was a singer of Millhouse too. That was always great. Anyway, so, um, but totally classic. But yeah, anyway. I remember you had a radio show on Hofstra. Yeah. And, uh, okay, so this is a weird thing. I never went to any college, but I had a radio show at Hofstra because of you. (laughs) Because you like, filled in or did the show after you or something, and then, like, had a show for a whole summer. (laughs) <laughs> and they were just like, uh, no one stopped me. I would just show up and do a show every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Though that was kind of worked for me. I mean, I'm sure, but they let me have the show even after I left. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a cool radio station. They were relatively loose. I mean, I almost got thrown out of school at one point because of something that Artie and I did. Those crazy Krishnas or one of our dumb hardcore skits that we would do that was like totally based on like Howard Stern style, but like you can't do that in real life, you know? Yeah. But we, we didn't care. We didn't think anybody was listening. So we just did whatever the fuck we wanted. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, I thought that that show was cool. That show, I felt like there were people listening, and that show introduced a lot of uh, a lot of people to stuff that they might not have would have heard before. So, because at the time I was going through Europe with Bad Trip and Mind Matter, and going across America and doing and buying records everywhere I went. You know, obviously, back then you couldn't get certain things in America. You, you know what I mean? So I would bring all those records back and I'd play them. And yeah, I, I, I think we reached a few people. I think. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped uh, kind of change my opinion. When I first got into hardcore, it was just like whatever was at the angle that was hardcore. But then <laughs> uh, like your radio show, you would play like a lot of other uh, genres, kind of, I guess is the word. Uh, but you play like, you know, you play like Burn and Shelter and, uh, you know, Bad Trip and, you know. Uh, I remember, I remember playing, I remember playing, um, uh, Firestorm or Earth Crisis the first time. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I bought that and I played it just because, you know, I was like, well, it's, you know. Jesus fucking Christ. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the sound of the wheels of an SCT cabinet going in. Uh, that's utterly unnecessary to be here. Anyway, um, yeah, the, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I like sometimes I regretted that, but uh, you know, Artie Artie took that whole straight edge thing so far. It was pretty funny. I think it was almost all a joke to him at the end of the day, yeah. but certainly now. for him, not me, uh just for the record. I know. Um. Hey, you don't you don't have to be straight edge to not drink, man. It's okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> So Sound Majority, the last reunion show with uh, Modern for Matter played. Yeah. Uh, you said, uh, since we're talking about straight edge, uh, you said, these are my favorite lyrics that George wrote. And uh, what, what's the automatic, automatic crowd? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I also uh, think that, well, this is my favorite lyrics that he that Modern for Matter song. Because there's a day in the life song that I think uh, is probably uh, higher on my rankings of his lyrics. But totally not. There was no point in me saying that. Uh, but yeah, so automatic red. Uh, like, can you uh, do you want to talk about? Let's talk about that song for a second and uh, what it means to you guys, uh, to me, to you, differently. Put that song shortly after uh, I had gone on tour with Shelter as their. Like they, I just ran and and did their merch, and we, you know, we were very, very anti uh, any of that straight edge, um, Krishna, all that shit. I mean, we we were pretty much all really anti religion as well, and you know, so it just kind of played into that. And when and and the reality is, Hari Krishna is pretty fucking stupid. It's a cult. So like, you know, I mean, I get it if it influences you in a positive way, that's cool, but it's fucking ridiculous. And I learned a lot of ridiculous things on that tour. And, you know, like, I, I, I mean, I spent two and a half weeks listening to guys chant all day, you know, and, and stuff like that. Like, I had some cool experiences, stuff that I would have never expected to, to experience. Like, I met this mo- person, Mother Yamuna, who has written a bunch of vegan cookbooks, and she was Prabhupada's assistant, and she had met all the Beatles and the Stones and was friends with all of them, and she told great stories. She baked me a birthday cake. She was really nice. But... You know, like, just a lot of it was just so ridiculous. And, you know, when we would go and play out of state, you could tell that Shelter had been in town because all the kids were wearing Krishna beads and were vegetarian for that, you know, two-week period. And if Earth Crisis came through, they were vegan for a month. 
And then, it, you know, everybody falls off because they're all disciplined teenagers. But the, basically, the, it just, I think what George was really expressing was how just because um, Ray was in Ether Today and then he starts Shelter, it was automatically popular. So, like, there were a lot of bands that were ex-member bands that were just, like, popping up. And it's like, oh, you, got, you have your automatic crowd because it's the hardcore scene and you're a hero in the hardcore scene and pretty much anything that you say I'm going to do. So, again, like the Krishna thing, Ray Kappa was a really charismatic guy, and he could convince you of anything. And for him to convince that many, you know, uh, emotionally disturbed hardcore kids to start following this fucking Looney Tunes religion is amazing. You know, I, I just, so that's kind of what that crap song is about. It's, you know, I always say it was specifically about Ray. I think it's has more with the, um, hardcore heroes in general, you know, because we saw it too when we would go to Europe. It was pretty amazing to us in 1993, 94, pre-internet that this hardcore existed in such a huge way all over the world. And, all you had to do was say you were New York hardcore and people would show up to these shows. And a lot of times they didn't even speak English. It's just crazy to me. So, you know, it maybe has a little bit to do with that as well. Also, there's a little shittiness to maybe. I mean, I took it away because we were exactly accepted as New York hardcore because we were smiling and also because we sounded so much different than most hardcore So... Yeah, you didn't. I mean, you didn't. You didn't fit the mold in any of the categories. Uh, no. The sound, the look, the location, the lyrical content. Nothing. Yeah, no, we started fucking all up. But but I think uh, that, but the, our label was looking for stuff like that, which was great, you know. And I feel like everything yeah. that sort of followed in our way in Long Island was not necessarily sounding like us, but just taking that spirit of not having to be a generic hardcore band. You could be anything you wanted to be. Yeah. And, and you, you guys, you guys being one of the first... Is everything all right? Yeah, no, I lost you. Actually, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Are you in, like, in a basement or something right now? I was in a hallway, but now I'm uh, outside. <laughs> all right. Uh-oh. Yeah, you guys were one of the first hardcore bands that I actually got into. Like, I had discovered punk rock on my own, and when I started going to hardcore shows, it was like, you guys in Neglect right away? And I definitely uh, gravitated towards you guys, and it definitely informed, the like, my existence in that world also, uh, because the hardcore that I liked <clears throat> was, like, Resurrection and 108 and uh, Endpoint and Heroin and Honeywell and bands that didn't sound like hardcore, hardcore, you know? Even even Born Against and Lifeblood to some extent, like they're hardcore, but they're not hardcore, hardcore. They're not what they're not what we're talking no, they're, about. We say man, right? Ball. They're they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not the generic style of New York hardcore. They but. Again, I think that that's because they were taking influence from other sides as well. They were, you know, whether it be like, I think there was a lot of Black Flag getting ripped off back in those days and then reinterpreted, which is awesome because Greg Ginn was such a guitar innovator at the time. And then there was also like a whole noise rock scene here in New York that was being sort of 
you know, the unsanes and shit like that, uh, uh, the swans, uh, you know, whatever, like those types of bands, uh, the unsanes of the world. Like, I, I think that there was a, there was a thing happening that wasn't considered hardcore that we were all kind of listening to and it, you know, and going to yeah. shows. So, I mean, for, for me, the, that sort that grittiness, the ABC and Rio thing that, that, uh, definitely was, you know, I would go to shows. I didn't really get heavily involved with it on a scene level, but, you know, I was watching all those bands play and we were definitely taking, you know, the Rorschach, uh, born against influence and bringing yeah. it back. So there was that, and there was my heavy prog- progressive rock leanings, which, you know, I mean, essentially the auto manipulation album, um, was me trying to rewrite Voivod and Unsane songs and doing it really, really fucking poorly. And that's where it came out. You know? Uh, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, the Voivod thing, um, I recently read, not recently, I remember somewhere Keith Huggins posting something about Voivod being his favorite band, and then, like, everything triggered for me. I was like, oh, yeah, that first Rorschach record is just a Voivod record played oh, yeah. by... Played by people played by, who can't quite play it yet, and recorded by people who can't quite record it yet. <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, and Huckins will admit that. Totally. Yeah. No. No. Totally. I'm sure. Yeah. It's. Uh, it was awesome. I, when I went to see Boyd um, at Gramercy, uh, Keith was there, and I was hanging out with Keith and uh, and Gavin Van Black from Burn was there too. Of course. Yeah. And uh, we actually, I actually did the Revolver podcast with Chris Enriquez interviewing um um snake which was awesome okay. uh, so it was me and gavin and interviewing snake which was like for me it was fucking amazing but just like i was i was a little drunk and i was like trying to explain to gavin i was like i was like you know you and keith being here really like sort of like is a full circle thing for me because i had no idea i knew keith like way about it i had no idea that gavin did and it all like for, for me that triggered like it all came together i was like oh yeah like that's why burn, yeah. That's why burn didn't sound like, you know, the things that it didn't sound like. Or, or right, or yeah. Or burn. I mean, burn. He was using jazz chords, you know, like like, like Piggy did, and it's uh, totally like Voivod had such a huge influence on the more progressive and progressive hardcore is a dumb statement. It's an oxymoron, but the 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 uh, it had such a huge influence on the guitar work and and song structures of what was going on in the sort of early '90s post you know, CBGB gang bullshit scene. Yeah, it's clear to me now. Like, I listened to Voivod back then, uh, and it never, it didn't click with me until, like, much more recently that, like, oh, yeah, all this stuff, yeah, it's all the same. Well, it's, it's, I call it, I call early Voivod, I call DB DB Punk. Because, I I mean, DB DB Prog. Because it is, it's like, it's like he's doing, like, He's doing like a, a discharge thing, and but like with with a metal tinge to it. But no one right. had ever really done that before. They they had this whole crust element to them, and and also a very much an outsider element because of where geographically they were from. They were just from so far outside of what anything. What was you know, they were they're from the middle of fucking nowhere in in French French Canada <laughs> French Canada. <laughs> but yeah, so like I, I definitely. Like I, it's funny that you say that. Like we definitely were, we were trying to do different things because I, 
as much as I wanted to be accepted by the New York hardcore scene, which I do think we were eventually, but the, it wasn't the same scene that was going on in the late 80s. It was a totally different scene. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it, was, it was more kids from Queens and, you know, like, well, the still suit guys and, and, uh, and, and bands like that. And then the wreckage thing was a scene in itself. And it's funny how it gets, the, the wreckage scene gets left out of a lot of the, the narratives. With all yeah, that stuff. Totally. Meanwhile, you know, like fucking, you know, I just read an article today about like when when New York was hardcore, and it's like this whole story, and it's telling all these yep. stories about like I read the whole thing. I'm looking through. I'm like, really, you're not going to mention Wreckage? Are you kidding me? They basically kept the whole fucking thing alive in the '90s. Like what? Yeah. And they spent so much money and took so many chances on bands that like made no fucking sense at all. Yeah, that article, though, that was mostly just about VOD and District 9. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't really... It, it was a very specific... It, it was a very specific article, I thought. I mean, it was, it was yeah. well-written, and it was interesting, but it was very one-sided. There was one particular scene they're talking about. Yeah. But I think the, the, the interesting thing with the wreckage stuff and the, and the clean scene you were talking about is... Like, that stuff, the Queen stuff was all, the Queen stuff you're talking about was all influenced by Burn. Like, you could hear it. And, oh, yeah. And they're another band, like we we're just talking about. Like, they're another band that was doing something different within the parameters of the hardcore scene. Yeah, I think we were all we were all listening to Quicksand and Burn and going like, wow, what is this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Rorschach and Born Against and stuff like that as well. Which was yeah. really more of like a, a noisy, fucking crazy, you know, whatever, and more political. But like Burn, Burn, the thing about Burn is that like what Burn taught me is that you don't have to be hardcore to have the hardcore energy. It's the same thing as say Rage Against the Machine, which I felt, you know, I wasn't a fan, but I I realized that mainstream public had never seen a lead singer like that, you know, whereas right. we had a million times. We had. Well, he, you know, I mean, was he like, was oh, a hardcore yeah. singer. Like he was just right. a hardcore singer. But they, they never, the mainstream public had never seen passion and energy like that. So they were like, oh, my God, this is like the sickest thing ever, you know? And, like, and as it turned out, you know, I was, I was just like a shithead about it. Like, oh, yeah, it's fucking boring, whatever, who cares? But, you know, they, I, I do feel that they brought a lot to the mainstream. Also, their crowd was horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing in the early 90s with the jocks and guidos showing up at shows, you know, not to say that we didn't benefit from it. I always, I always tell that story about about when uh, the Mind Over Matter first seven inch uh, record release show um, at the Angle, and you know up until that point we had probably played in front of a maximum twenty five people <laughs> everywhere we went, and then all of a sudden we played that show and it was like four hundred people there, and and Artie Philly turned to me and he goes, "You'll never play in front of nobody again," and that had everything to do with Nirvana and how the climate had changed drastically. Yeah. And and it never it never went back. It it stayed that way. It was crazy. All the girls with the guidette haircuts. You go to Lollapalooza and there's fucking. They all got their hair down and you know like, <laughs> like everything changed. It's hysterical. I was like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Like fuck off. 1991. <laughs> everything. Everything changed. Like, everything. Yeah. It, in 1990, I would get made fun of for listening to the Vandals, and then in 1992, kids who would make fun of me for it would be like, "Oh, were you? What what shows are you going to this weekend?" I was like, "What? What? 
stay stay a problem, dude. Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's funny because I feel like I feel like the modern metalcore scene is a result of the fact that that the 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 sort of like outsider music became mainstream. So, you know, like like it's like those are the cool kids now, and you know they're not weird anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong because obviously I'm 43 and what the fuck. Yeah, I don't, but I don't even know. It's, it's, I don't even know what that scene looks like right now. I haven't. I do know that I, I was at that, uh, uh, the on Tuesday in, in Philly, and like, two jocks tried stage diving, and it's like, well, all right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it, but sure. Did uh, did, did Froberg stop the show? No, Reese humiliated the kid, and I knew it, too. Like, I was like, because I had been texting with Christian, and he has them on Friday, and they're talking. They don't want the barricade, and he's like, well, I need the barricade. So he was asking me about the barricade. He was like, oh, is there any stage time or anything? And I was like, no, if there were, like, Reese would probably tear him apart. And then as soon as the kid got on stage, Reese tore his shirt off, tore the kid's shirt off. The kid ended up, like, in the... He put the shirt around himself as, like, a cape, ran around the stage, like, making, like, Superman arms. Then, <laughs> after the song, just made fun of the kid for, like, five minutes. Like, like he's up on the Axe body spray. Like, you know, you use Glade as your deodorant. And then, like, <laughs> uh, like I remember my... No, no, it's cool, man. I remember my first show, too. And, like, just, just roasted the kid for, like, two minutes. And it's just... Uh, it's hilarious and, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I feel like I feel like sometimes maybe with Jehu it's a bit different than, than Fugazi or, or uh, even at the drive-in who pulled that shit. Like, I I feel like I feel like it's it's sort of not really very punk rock to tell people what to do. Right. You know what I mean, and like it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird line you walk there. I, I sort of always disagree with the Makai. On that one, because I remember when I, every time I saw uh, Fugazi, there was always something like that happened. And it was constant. It was, I remember this one show, Roseland, where it just kept happening. And it kept stopping the show. And I was like, this is fucking dumb. Just let them do what they want. Like, well, how come you can jump around and show energy on stage, but you, the person in the crowd isn't allowed to? You know what I mean? I, and granted, I, 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 like, yeah, I, don't, don't get me. I mean, I think moshing is fucking stupid. I think <laughs> stage diving is fucking stupid. But when I was 18, I didn't. You know, I thought it was, I just thought it was what you did. I went to thrash shows when, in the late 80s. That's what I grew up listening to. And, and I would, you know, that's what everybody did. At the New Girl Assault show, you got on stage, you dove off. It was fun. And, you know, whatever. But, like, with, with, like when you start telling people not to do shit, unless it's dangerous, you know, like, if, like, that's the one thing when we have stage diving at Vitus and I'm just like, Oh fucking hell. Like, you know, it's an insurance liability and yeah, yeah. you know, it's so easy. It's so easy to hurt somebody with that. You know, you got somebody jumping on top of somebody, your neck can get hurt, like whatever the case might be. It's, but at the same time, I don't know, as a, as a guy on a stage, I would never say anything. Although with Gay for Johnny Depp, I used to say, uh, if you're gonna, if at least if you're going to mosh fucking kill each other, don't be a pussy about it. Yeah, <laughs> I just want, I want to do like fucking like, let me see let me see some fucking box cutters and shit like do some old school Slayer shit. Well, you know? Minus shit with wrenches and chains. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like fucking socks with fucking uh, pool balls in it and shit. Like, like yeah, yeah. You know, don't fuck around. Don't fuck around. You're at the Gay Johnny Depp show, dude. You should be masculine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But that's the thing, like, uh, yeah, no, don't tell me how to, don't tell me how to enjoy music, you, you know, whatever. But then there's also, like, hey, man, we're all standing here trying to watch this show. Like, I don't want to worry yeah. about you landing on me. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, if it's a show where there's a lot of moshing, then, okay, I, I accept that there's moshing. I'll stay where there isn't moshing if I don't want to be involved in it. But if... Oh, yeah, dude. Seven I mean, songs, I've, had so many, I've, had, I've had so many girls get punched and shit here, and, and it's like, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm not fucking stupid. You know, I, I get it. You want to watch the show, but you see what's going on. You're fully aware of what's going on. Yeah. If, if we try and stop it, it's going to get worse. Right, because right, once right. you tell, again, a bunch of fucking emotionally unstable, you know, what is essentially a kid, even if they're in their 20s, what to do, they're going to do the opposite. They're going to. And, and it's like that's where, that's where it's really, really, really difficult. Like, I know you want to see your favorite band, but unfortunately, you know, your favorite band isn't big enough to be playing a coliseum that can, you can sit in. So it, it's, it's really, I don't know, whatever. It's not a big deal. I just, like, I find it, like... I think what what Reese did is fine, you know. I'm glad they didn't stop a song or anything. No, and the yeah, person yeah. really should know that it, that it's inappropriate, and that everybody there is in their fucking forties and doesn't want someone jumping on their head. That's uh, exactly uh, it. Like no one, no one's doing anything for the whole set. They're like, you know, people are moving and energetic, but no one's like moshing for the whole set. And then they play the song that the Deftones cover, and you decide you're jumping on people. Like, all right, no, you're good to be made fun of here. <laughs> appropriate use of yeah, Jay who doesn't inspire me to stage dive or mosh, so you know I can't really see where even where that. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I remember, remember, I remember seeing Lush at Lollapalooza and people were moshing. So you know. Oh come on, knock it off. <laughs> what you know? That's like what the, you're supposed like, to do. Like at the Saw Majority Show, I genuinely didn't have a good time because people were jumping on each other at 45. And I was like, all right, I, I mean, I get it. I just... Yeah, it's well, what it becomes is it's as much of a show in the crowd as it is on stage. And, yeah. and that's, you know, that was something that always bothered me back in the day. Like, you know, when a, when a mosh pit starts and everybody has to look at the mosh pit to make sure that they don't get punched in the face, you're just yeah. like, yeah. why am I not watching the band? Why do I have to sit here and watch the fucking crowd, you know? And, and like, I don't know. Yeah. I get it with the Saw Majority shows because, like, it was as much about the, you know, high school reunion aspect as it was oh, about yeah. being a band. So I, I get it, but like, uh, you know, it, it, it took it took away it took away from being I'm well, for being, you for you. I'm being a contrarian. Yeah, yeah, I'm being a contrarian. Everyone had a great time, so I had a well, bad you're, time. You're being an old. <laughs> You're being an old curmudgeon. It's fine. I, I mean, no, I, but if I, I was if I was 19, I would have said the same shit. I would have been like, "Well, if no one's dancing, why isn't everyone dancing?" Believe me, <laughs> you, you didn't see me up front. I wasn't. You know, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, I just everybody have fun. Great. That's kind of how I feel now. Like I want, like yeah, the venue. I just I'm like you know I don't really care what you do. Respect each other. Have the I just want you to have the best time you can possibly have. I want everybody to walk out going that was the best show I've ever seen. So with some majority it was completely expected and. It was great, and, you know, I can't even, like, I can't express how much fun that just the, the whole experience was, beyond even the playing, you know? It was just, like, we hung out all night, and it was super fun, and I miss those guys a lot. And I really, I feel very involved with them because I produced Life of a Spectator, and it, that was, you know, as, as weak as my production skills are, 
like was the record it was the record and it was like you know it was it was you know i i feel like there was a, a mutual teaching going on like you know i i stuff happened during that recording that those guys still thank me about today and it was super fun to do you know unlike your band which was you know almost everybody in the band was almost too talented for me to even try and reel in and i always look back and i'm like i was just kind of there because they spent all their money on a van and i had to figure out a studio to get to the, <laughs> for nothing <laughs> we did we spent a lot of money on the van i don't remember yeah. the thing <laughs> no the record came out good it was fine the record came out fine and uh and uh you need a van you need a van Pulling the van. Everyone needs a van. And I got to I got to hear Todd and, and Beck argue with their moms constantly on the phone. Mom, go to go to school. Come on. <laughs> come on. I go to college after tour. Yeah, don't yeah, it's come on. I'm not gonna quit. I'm it's gonna keep going. Like seeing those guys now, it's hilarious. <laughs> Thinking back to it. Poor Jewish moms all worried. Yeah, I mean, I guess they all kinda of turned out fine for the most part. <laughs> I like that. I like the hesitation in your voice for the most part. <laughs> well, there's like a, there's a there's a tragic story in there. I don't really feel like getting yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We don't we don't want to do that. And then but, uh, uh you know like one of them one of them's doing really well, but I'm sure not the path his mother wanted him to take. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Uh, but yeah, like I said, like, it was uh, it was cool because with the sound majority thing, because obviously, you know, I know those I knew those guys before they were even sound majority. And, you know, they were a joke band and they grew into something great. And, you know, I, I got to produce their their popular album and and I think contribute to what they did. And it was uh, it was super fun. So it was a, it was a it was a good high school reunion. It was a way better high school reunion than my actual high school reunion, which I didn't go to. <laughs> we're a lot of the same people, though. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool to see. It's cool to see everybody grown up, and and I feel like you know, for the most part, everybody's turned out good, and not you know, everybody's had their ups and downs, but you know, not too many drug addicts, not too many. OD victims, not too many of that sort of thing. And, you know, which is good when you, when you're dealing with extreme scenes, you're dealing with extreme personalities. So people tend to go into weird shit, especially, you know, us white trash fucking douchebags from Long Island. You know? <laughs> All yeah. Men and, All men. Yeah. And that scene, uh, I mean, as much as it cultivates positivity, it also cultivates negativity. Like, oh, uh, big time. Of course. Of course. But I mean, you know, the thing about Long Island is that it was very much, it was ours and, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. I've had some, dude, I, if I could tell you the, the craziest experiences I've had around the world on tour with like people coming up to me and be like, Oh, did you produce life of a spectator? I swear to God. Like, really fuck, crazy. Oh yeah. Or even your record. Yeah. Like, uh, this, uh, I met this kid in England who I toured with and he was like, you know, obviously in England, the glass jaw connection is going to be pretty heavy, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he was just like, he's like, yeah, you're the Orange Shepherd. And I was like, yeah, he's like, you were in Modern Matter. And he's like, and he's like, talking about some majority. He's talking, he got like real deep into like, so he's like, I'm so into the long arm thing. It's so great. And I was like, I didn't realize it was a thing, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. You know, it, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a big deal, but, but it was definitely, it was definitely something that, that resonated a lot further than we thought it did, which is yeah. super cool. You know? 
Yeah, I always, I always get, cause my, I always just want to entertain. Like that's why I do comedy. That's why I book shows. Like I just want to, I just want to help people have fun. I, I, you know, that's why I'm a good wingman. When my friends want to, you know, get get sex, uh, you know, yeah. like I and just want to have fun. And you can drive. Right, you can drive home, yeah. and you can do a and you can do a fucking podcast while you're driving everybody home. <laughs> yeah, I, I give you the designated driver and produce content. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So, like I just want people to have fun, and so like I, I'll, I'll hear that occasionally. Like you know, you'll be out with Team Sunday or whoever, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm a huge fan of this thing or this thing," and like even if it's just one or two people, it's like, "Oh, cool," then something I did, uh, it worked. The thing that I yeah. wanted people to enjoy, someone enjoyed. So even if it's one well, I person, think, I, I think the work. internet, the internet has kind of brought that a little further. And, and when you know, hopefully, when the documentary comes out and and you know all the stories are told, that you know it'll reach an even wider audience. But you know, it's I, I, the thing about our scene that I, I think is great is that the music was a little bit better than your normal hardcore scene. You know what I mean? Like it just. It was a little bit better, and it and it, it was had more a, diverse. It had a lot of staying power, you know. Like yeah. the records are are far more timeless. Like I, when I listen to even some of my records, like uh, Auto Manipulation, to me, you throw it on and it kind of sounds like it was recorded last week, which is great. And I think that goes for a lot. I, even the Sound Majority record, the amount of bands, the amount of bands in, in this quote unquote emo scene that that sort of sound like that, you know, 25 yeah. years later is crazy. Uh, you know, I. I'm always yeah. I'm always impressed, and you know I don't know if the people were particularly listening to it or if everybody was just listening to the same influences, you know, because Lifetime obviously has a huge piece in uh in so much of that music, and everybody liked Lifetime except for me, of course, um, contrarian. Uh, but yeah. yeah, man, it's it's uh I didn't like Lifetime either, so we're on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I got to ask you, um, what did you? I know it's pointless to maybe pointless to bring it up, but you had Walter on. Last week, and uh, did you, you saw? Whoa! Don't get an accident. Um, did you? Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing you saw all the shit with the grill biscuits and what Siv said and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I, like, we I didn't talk it. about. I had recorded no, with Walter we, two weeks ago, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he probably wouldn't have anything to say about it anyway. It's Wally's Wally style I don't, not to get too involved in that, but I don't think I would have brought it up even. <laughs> you know? Oh, you have to, man. Come on. That's uh, the first thing I'm going to ask him when I see him. So, I mean, I'm 100% on board with the Black Lives Matter movement. I have, uh, I work with a lot of people of color. I'm friends outside of work with a lot of people of color. And uh, I don't get why uh, cops shoot black people more often than they shoot white people. I don't get it. Shoot white people. Come on. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you grew up on Long Island, and you know exactly what goes on, and you know exactly where all those cops come from, especially in New York. Yeah, yeah. You know, they no, all grew I, up on I, Long Island dude. of Irish and Italian descent, with the fucking like the whole generation. Like, dude, everybody I grew up with was the fucking biggest racist I've ever met. Like, it was crazy to me the first time. I, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, I grew up in North Elma. There was one black kid. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't even see it. So. It, I don't know. I, Long Island to me is probably one of the most segregated and racist places in the country. Personally, that's the way I feel about it. 
as but, a Long Islander and a Long Island apologist, I feel like it has gotten much better. Um, good. I'm glad I to also, hear that. I'm also part of a different world, so I don't, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like the the places I work and the places I I hang out, I, I don't see. No, no, for racism, fair enough, but, I don't really see but, it but, because but, I'm. But, Back on what Sib said, he didn't say anything wrong at all. He didn't say anything wrong. I understand where the confusion comes in because Black Lives Matter, the movement, is about a specific thing. And Siv, in commenting on it, wasn't commenting on the thing it was about. Right. He was commenting Black on Lives Matter, scene unity. That's what he was talking about. Right. Black Lives Matter, the movement, is about drawing attention to the fact that we need to remind people not to kill black people. Right. We need to remind people not to kill black people. Sid was just like, well, I don't get why we have to do that. It's 2016. Everybody should know that. You're right. right. And in hardcore, that's fine. We know that. Everyone in this room knows that. But everyone outside of this room and where you saw that T-shirt, they don't know that. And it's obvious they don't know that because they keep killing black people. They're not right. killing white people. They didn't shoot Dylan Roof. They didn't shoot the white guy that was holding the gun on the Dallas cops. They, didn't, they, didn't do, they don't kill those guys. They kill the black people. And that's something that needs to stop happening. So I get the confusion. I get what happened. Uh, you know, of course he's not racist. Of course he didn't mean to, you know. But, you know. And, and frankly, the two or three kids that were in that room that blew it out of proportion, they probably don't know that many people of color. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. I'm sure. They're, sure. they're at a show, predominantly white artists, predominantly white people in the audience. It's a very segregated community and you know they're uh i don't know i, I yeah, see both sides most most, and, uh, most 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 yeah most black kids in the hardcore scene are known as black somebody <laughs> hey exactly you know, like Rob? exactly <laughs> even if there isn't even if there isn't another brad you call him black brad and that's yeah exactly you know. <laughs> yeah. i know that's rude. he's the only black guy there you don't have to call him black brad it's okay yeah <laughs> Like, do, you know, can we call him Fat Rob or Fat Brad? How about that? He's also fat. We just call him Fat Rob. Uh, it's just whatever, man. I'm, I'd much rather talk about music because I know more about it. But yeah, the uh, I just thought I just thought it was uh, I just thought it was something that was real interesting. And and yeah, I I think the reality of it is that like maybe like three fucking people got upset. And of course, those yeah. are the people who who are the loudest on online. And but she, I mean, I didn't see people. Yeah, I didn't see people getting upset. I saw people getting upset that people got upset. Exactly. That's what I was. I was. I was on my feed on my Facebook feed. I'm looking. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but like, who said this? Because I'm all I'm seeing is people defending. Like I haven't seen anybody say anything negative about or agreeing that he said something wrong. It was like just. It's just the way the the internet sucks in a lot of ways. You yeah. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. thank God it didn't exist when I was fucking, you know, around more. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I get it. I get what he said. I, I, I understand what he was saying, but he, he was, he wasn't talking about the same thing that the people who got upset were talking about. 
And and you know what? And that might be a little bit of ignorance too, right there. Like, you know, like him maybe not fully grasping what the movement's about. I, I don't, oh, I, I definitely, don't know. I definitely don't think he did. I definitely don't think he did. I, I you know, and like, and it was a very vague statement. So therefore, you know, like he was. He, I, you know, I don't think he thought about it a lot. I think he was just like the songs. You know, it's an anti-racist song, and it's about yeah. unity. It's about unity and, right. and he's in fucking Gorilla Biscuits, so like you're pretty much immune to any of this shit <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> and he's, a, you know, but he's, what Siv is like forty-seven, I think. You know, he's, a, yeah. you know, he he's not scouring the internet. He's busy doing tattoos and making money, supporting his family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got, like, exactly, exactly. So, uh, exactly. like, you really like there. There's a you have to kind of be into it and be up on pop culture to really understand it, I think. And I don't know. The economy's so fucked up and everything that we all have to work 18,000 hours to pay our fucking bills. So we can't <laughs> all pay attention. Unless it's Donald Trump, in which case you can't turn away because he's constantly on TV. And I'd love somebody to do a study to see how many times on, on, on any of the main news stations the name word Trump is said in a day. They- if they did early in the primaries, they did that. They did how much airtime Trump gets versus how much airtime the other Republican uh, nominations got. Yeah. And it was like, it was something like 78% to like, you know, or 88% to 12%. And the 12% was like seven other candidates. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing though that that that's such classic celebrity uh, internet culture where you say crazy shit and people pay attention. They talk yeah. about all the crazy shit you say, you know, and like, and he knows that, so he just keeps saying crazy shit. And like, I, I, I forget who the comedian was, but someone was like, Trump is the YouTube comment section of YouTube uh, for Spotify. <laughs> totally, that's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I wish I knew who it was to give him credit, but uh, um, uh, yeah, listen, man, I made it to Manhattan. Uh, you were uh, you're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, dude, of course. Uh, and buy, uh, buy, buy my buy my new record, my primitive weapons, please. Get yeah, all right, that's what, that's what we're plugging. We're plugging primitive weapons. I'll put it I'll put it in the link at the bottom uh, for anyone uh, listening. Party sma- Party Smashes Inc. Check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, congratulations on that. Also, by the way, uh, we didn't even talk about your band at all. Uh, that's okay. <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Artie. Thank you so much, man. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know. When Thanks this for having me. Have have a good uh, good night. Open miking and jayhooing. All right. Thank you. Later, bro. Jerk, Neil.